You're listening to the Make Life Epic Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's Jim Simcoe with the Make Life Epic Podcast. Hope you guys are doing fantastic. It is a blistery, cold, rainy, windy day here in San Diego right now. So you actually, even though I'm sitting in my office, you may actually hear a little bit of wind going on in the background. And uh, that's probably the first time I think I've ever said this on this on the podcast that our podcast might be affected by wind, but pretty crazy. Anyway, today's show is all about how to make your life epic right now. 34 ways to do that. A lot of these are very unconventional ways, but they're ones that uh, um, I wrote about in the book, the book Hero Up. And also I've just experienced in my own life. I'm gonna give you some of my own personal examples and they fall into a couple different categories. So they fall into the categories of relationships, building confidence, career, inner peace, mindset, life lessons, and then finally getting unstuck. So it's a really uh, uh, kind of a good primer for you, depending on where you are in your life, as to how you get things in your life to become epic and how in a lot of ways, it's, it can be a lot easier than you really think it is. And uh, it's not necessarily as impossible as some people make it out to be sometimes. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So we're gonna start with the category of relationships. And so this is the question I get asked a lot is, you know, people ask me, you know, what's the easiest, what's the best way to improve my relationship? Are there any easy little hacks or, or tools I can use to improve my relationship? And I gotta say, the two best things you can do to improve your relationship, or, or excuse me, the one best thing you can do to improve your relationship, no matter what relationship or what kind of relationship you're in, is to ask the two most important relationship questions of your partner. And those questions are, what do you need most of in our relationship? And what do you want least of in our in our relationship? Those are really the key questions that you wanna ask your partner anytime you're struggling, uh, you wanna sit down and have a talk about that because that's really gonna give you you know, all really all the insight you need into your relationship and seeing what you need to do to make the other person happy. And then when somebody asks you that, well, you figure out exactly what you need to be happy in your relationship. So there, you can read, you know, thousands and thousands and books and go to couples counseling and do all kinds of different things. I'm just going to give you the answers to the test from somebody who's been with, um, I've been my, with my wife for 17 years. We've been married for 14 years, very happy. I love her to death. I'm more in love with her today probably than the day I met. And I gotta say, like the biggest things you can do is ask, what do you need more of in our relationship? What do you need most in our relationship? And what do you want least in our relationship? You know, and my answers on some of that stuff would be like, you know, what, one of the things I want least in my relationship is nagging. And one of the things I want most in our relationship is the ability to spend time together and go out where it's just just her and I. So ask those questions. Those are the two uh, most important relationship questions you can ask. And those are the ones that will help you drive your relationship to the level that you want to be. Next item for you on our list is to, and it goes along with that, and it's in a category of relationship, is to really know your partner's love language. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, there's a there's this book that came out probably 15, 20 years ago called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And he talks about <clears throat> figuring out what your partner's love languages are so that you can love them in the way that they want to be loved. And so as an example of this, the five love languages are quality time, 
receiving gifts, words of affirmation, acts of service, so like devotion, and then physical touch. So as an example, if you're somebody who really needs words of affirmation where your partner's telling you, hey, you're doing awesome, I really love it. this about you, I love that about you, oh, that's fantastic, right? But let's say your partner's not like that and say your partner craves physical touch or quality time together. The, the problem with most relationships that I see is that we tend to love the other person in the way that we love to be loved, not necessarily in the way they, they love to be loved. So if I'm a guy who like loves words of affirmation, you know, I can tell my wife all day long, Hey, you're the most beautiful girl in the world. I love you so much. You're the best, blah, blah, blah. But if that's not her thing, then it's really not going to resonate with her. Like if her thing is really spending quality time with me, well, then I need to love her in that fashion. So I'm not going to delve too much into this topic. Highly recommend you read the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It will change your life, change your relationship. And um, I loved it. It's probably one of many relationship books I've I've ever read. And um, uh, it's probably the only one I can honestly recommend to anybody, no matter what stage of, of a relationship you're in. All right, next thing. Schedule weekly sex dates. Put it in the calendar, treat it as an appointment. I'm not going to say much more than that. Trust me, you will be very happy that you did this. Schedule weekly sex dates might be one of the best things you can do for your relationship. Enough said about that. Okay, next one. Also in the category of relationships, be loyal to your partner, be loyal to your word. So what this really means is you gotta, when you're in a relationship, you gotta be able to do what you say you're gonna do. So it can be something as stupid as like, hey, I'm gonna take the trash out tomorrow morning. If you say that, take the trash out tomorrow morning, okay? Because what happens is, is if you get in a pattern of saying one thing and doing something else, you start losing trust with your partner. And obviously you don't want that. So do what you say you're gonna do. And if you have a hard time doing that, if it's something that's a challenge for you, then what I always recommend is just say less. Like don't promise as much, don't say as much. And then just make sure you're, you commit to doing whatever it is that you know you said you're gonna do. So be loyal to your partner, be loyal to your, to your word. Do what you say you're gonna do. The next one is choose to be happy over being right. Okay. So this is an active choice. This is something where you make the call. This isn't something someone else does for you. Choose to be happy over being right. I see this in couples a lot. I've been in the situation too, where, you know, wow, big train going by. Do you guys hear that? And I'm back. The train has now gone by and I can go back into what we were talking about. So anyway, the, the topic here is to be happy, choose to be happy over being right. So rather than win the argument, focus on trying to be happy. You know, you don't have to win every single argument. You don't have to prove your point every single time. Choose to be choose to be happy over being right. I know that when I finally made this choice in my relationship and not just in my my relationship with my wife, but in other relationships in my life, it just life just was easier, right? I didn't have to be right all the time. I wasn't fighting, you know, to make sure that um, I won every argument or every debate. I just chose to be happy. It was much, much easier. So those are some of the relationships, uh, relationship things that you can, you can focus on, uh, that will help you make your life a little bit more epic than where it is right now. Let's talk a little bit about confidence. 
I really think confidence is one of the biggest drivers of not just success, but of happiness in your life. The more confident you are, the more optimistic you end up being. Um, ultimately, the more good things happen to you. And, and all, I believe ultimately, the happier you become overall. So I really think confidence is one of those things that uh, you know people talk about, but it's really not focused on as much as it should be. I really think it's one of the biggest drivers of anybody's life. So let's talk a little bit about confidence. So the very first thing when it comes to building your confidence, because I think that that's the thing that we all want to do is build um, build your confidence as much as possible, is to focus on your strengths, okay? So what are you best at? What can you reasonably do better than 75%, 75% of the people out there? So um, Scott Adams, the guy who created Dilbert, the cartoon, he wrote a book and it's called How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. And one of the things he talks about, um, uh, he yeah, I don't can't remember if it was in the book or if it was in something else I read. His I've read a lot of his stuff. Is he talks about how, you know, really striving to be in that top twenty five percent echelon um, in a couple of skills in your life. So whether it's public speaking, uh, DNA mapping, writing, teaching, whatever it is, try and focus on the things that would put you in that twenty five percent category, one or two things in there. And it's a pretty interesting way to look at it because, you know, he's not saying, and, and nor am I saying, hey, look, you have to be the very best at this one thing. It's more about like, what are the things that you're naturally good at? What are the things are, you know, can you, if you improve upon even a little bit, will grow even stronger because you're already good at them. So I know that my own personal example, I'm pretty good at speaking in front of groups. Um, I don't get nervous. Uh, I don't get you know, I actually get excited when I'm going, when I'm about to go on a stage, I'd rather go on a stage um, and talk in front of 10,000 people, um, which is one of the biggest fears people have. Um, you know, one of the biggest fears people have is public speaking. It's just one I don't have. I have, I'm deathly afraid of snakes and heights. Um, but I, so I'd rather give a speech in front of 10,000 people than, than like see a garden snake, um, you know, walk and, you know, walk on a path in front of me, which just completely would freak me out and I would lose my shit completely. So anyway, so the idea here is to focus on your strengths. What are you really good at? What can you maximize um, uh, your efforts at that will give you an even better return? Uh, and then also, when you're able to focus on your strengths, one of the things that you see is that you're, you naturally start growing your confidence because you're working on something that you're already good at, Okay. Next thing is to build confidence through small wins. So if you think of wins in your life, um, think of them as being habit forming, okay? So the, hey, what's up? Someone outside beeping as they drive by. How you guys doing? So if you think of wins as being habit forming, what happens is once you start building, uh, once you start experiencing small wins, you'll start building confidence by, by those and you'll get used to winning. You'll get used to being successful, which ultimately makes you even more confident. And the more confident you are, the more wins you have. It's kind of like, you know, the, the more you hustle, the luckier you get, right? So some examples of this would be like receiving compliments um, or going out and, and focusing on like, okay, I'm going to do one, you know, just one thing right today. One thing is going to go right for me. And thinking of that as a small win. So think of a lot of your day in terms of, what are the wins that you're bringing into your day um, and start stacking those wins together. So today, you know, somebody complimented me on my blog. 
Um, I had a meeting, I showed on time, I'm counting that as a win because there was traffic. Um, I had three things on my to-do list. I knocked out two of them, so I'm gonna count those as two wins. So I'm just get building a pattern of winning. And they're really, really small. They're not, you know, by themselves, they don't seem like big deals. But what I'm doing is building the habit of winning and I'm getting used to winning, which is which I think it can be a really big imprint on your brain when that happens on a regular basis. All right. The next thing is to create a personal highlight reel. And and some of you have probably heard me talk about this before. I'm a huge proponent of this. Okay, so this is what I mean. I want you to take out a pad of paper and a pen and write down 50 life accomplishments that you're proud of that you've achieved in your life. This is gonna be a list that I want you to carry around for a couple of weeks and refer back to it frequently, okay? Because what this does also, along with creating, uh, building confidence by stacking small wins together, is this also imprints your mind to show you that you've been successful a lot in the past and that you're usually successful and it gets you used to being successful and you used to success. So think of 50 things. You might have to go back to grade school to get to them. I know that when I did my list, I had things like, uh, winning student council election, making varsity lacrosse in high school, first time I scored a, uh, a touchdown in middle school football, uh, the very first time I made over $100,000 in my career, first marathon I ran, first businesses, uh, excuse me, the first business I started. So all of those things, write all those down, try to leave out things that were not solely created by you. Uh, so for example, you know, meeting your wife or having your kids, those are all hugely important, but those are not necessarily things that would go on your personal highlight reel because um, you did those with other people. So think of things of like things that you've actually achieved that you can look back on and be like, hey man, I'm super stoked about that. Um, I know that one time in high school, um, I, you know, I played lacrosse in high school and one game I scored six goals. And I remember it's probably the best, you know, pro probably one of the best sports day days I've ever had in my life. <laughs> But that was like one of the first things I put on my highlight reel um, because I was so proud of it. So create a personal highlight reel, write down the list, pull it out occasionally, go through it and remember what those moments felt like. Remember what those things are. And they don't have to be big things again, okay? Because again, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get your brain and your soul imprinted with the fact that hey, I'm usually successful. So I'm gonna get used to success and I'm gonna get used to um things going my way because that's one thing that's definitely going to help build your confidences by doing that. All right. The next thing is to build beliefs around successes. Okay. So what I mean by that is develop your pattern of beliefs around successes and what you've done right and not vice versa. So don't focus on what you've done wrong. You know, the corollary to this is don't make decisions in valleys of despair. So when things are not going well, that is not the time to make, you know, huge life decisions. Um, and give you an example of my own personal life. In 2009, 2010, things were going very bad for us from a financial standpoint, um, as as it was for many other people in Southern California during uh, sort of the economic collapse. And I would find myself in these, or sorry, I find myself in these in these moments of just complete and out of despair, and I would say, oh. I need to make money. I should stop doing what I'm doing. Maybe I should go get a part-time job. Maybe I should do this. Maybe, you know, we should do all these other things. And really what it was, was I was really acting um, in a way, 
I was making decisions in valleys of despair when I really wasn't thinking clearly. And I should have really been building those decisions and those beliefs during times of success. So build your beliefs around successes. Don't build them around failures or what something else is, uh, when something else, excuse me, when something bad has happened. So I think it's a really key one. One of the last ones in building confidence is this rule is to choose to be the captain, okay? So I want you to make a conscious decision to steer your own life. So it's, think of, think of life as being a ship and you're the captain of the ship. So don't be a victim of circumstance. Make a conscious decision to steer your ship. This is your life. You're the effing captain. Nobody else's. You are in charge. What you'll find is, is that when you start thinking that and you start saying, I am the captain, this is my life. I am the one doing this. It gives you a sense of empowerment because what it also does is it allows you to um, uh, disregard anybody who's trying to control your life. So choose to be the captain of your own ship. All right, let's get into the section on career. And, uh, and I'm going through these pretty fast because uh, I wanted you to be able to sit, you know, uh, listen to this whole thing while you're in your car, getting a coffee or whatever. And I'll put show links and show notes in there to all the different ones that I've talked about in here so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. But anyway, let's talk about your career. So everything that you do in your career, there are only two things you need to focus on to really be a highly valued uh, person at your company or with whatever you do. The first thing is to solve a problem. The second thing is to provide value. So those really are the only two things on a regular basis that you need to do at your job or in your career. Solve a problem, you know, whether you work for yourself or you work in a corporate environment, um, solve a problem and provide value. You should always be thinking about, am I solving a problem? What problems am I solving? How big are these problems? And then also, what value am I providing? Am I just skating by or, am I, or is this place, you know, does this place fall to hell if I leave. So provide value and solve a problem. Those are the only two things you need to focus on. You can read hundreds of career books. It's really going to come down to those two things. Um, obviously, some other rules around maximize your career would be, you know, don't sleep with your boss. Don't sleep with somebody who works for you. And then also never get drunker than your boss. Those are all the three rules that I'm assuming that you are, you are already following, but I'll say them anyway just in case that you're not. Okay, so anyway, so that's one. Uh, the next one is to be directional and not opportunistic. This is one I think a lot of people get wrong. So if you think of the analogy of, if you were gonna say, if you, if you needed to travel by boat from San Diego to Hawaii, which right now sounds really, really, really nice considering that this big storm is rolling in, how would you do it? Would you go by sailboat or would you go by a steamship, like a you know a powerboat? And the thing about this is, and I learned this from a, a guy named Alan Weiss a long time ago, and I've talked about it before, but if you go by sailboat, so sailboat, you would think a sailboat would be faster, right? Because you know a powerboat goes, I don't know, 20 miles an hour in a sailboat, you can go way faster than that. With a sailboat, you have to tack and jive, tack and jive. So basically you're always going left and right and you're really at the mercy of the wind um, to really get you to where you want to, you know, to get you to Hawaii. Whereas a steamship, you plot a course on the map, 
turn the motor on and you go. And the, you know, you're not going left, you're not going right. You're just plowing through and you're getting to where your goal is, which means that you'll get there quicker than somebody who is quicker than uh, a sailboat. So the idea here is in your career, be directional, have an end goal in mind, figure out what you're really trying to do and what you're trying to achieve and do that. And so the way I always look at it is like, think of like, think of like drawing a path on a piece of paper, right? And if you say, okay, this is my path. And at the top of the paper, you've got uh, a big semicircle. that says, you know, whatever your goal is, things are either going to be on your path in your career or they're not. And I had this challenge a long time ago when I was first in real estate and I was starting to do green real estate uh, consulting and investing. I had many other opportunities come up uh, come up based on um, uh, some real estate deals that we were looking at. And I really had to write down and say like, okay, this deal over here looks fantastic, but is it really on the path of what I want to do with my life? And and I saw several of them that they just, they just weren't like, they just weren't something that I want to do. It became really easy to figure out that something is either on my path or it's not on my path. And if it's not on my path, then I'm not going to do it. And, and so that's the key is to, is to use that analogy and then really focus on being directional, not opportunistic in your career. What are you trying to get to? What's the quickest way to get there? Um, don't jump at every single opportunity you see because a lot of times they're going to be ones that are going to waste your time. And as you probably know, in a career, you know, your, your most, your most valuable asset is time. It's not necessarily money. So be directional. Don't be opportunistic. The next thing is to focus on results. Okay. I see this in, with people in their jobs and their careers. And this is just something that people just don't do that much. It, you know, don't focus on words. No need to focus on promises. Uh, not, you know, focus on the, focus on the actual results. What are the measurable results? Are you achieving them? Um, what are the goals of you set? Are you achieving them? Focus on those things. Lots of people, whether it's in the corporate world or some other business, uh, environment have a tendency to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Don't play that game. Focus on the results. What are the results you're trying to achieve? Look at that. That should be the top line. Anything you're doing. What are the results? You know that you're looking to do, um, and work backwards from there. Okay. The next thing is to take calculated risks. Now, what's key about this one is the word calculated. So, do not take foolhardy risks. Do not take uh, dangerous risks. But just realize in your career there will probably be some calculated risks that will make sense for you to take. So take those risks, make sure they're calculated, make sure you can mitigate them as much as possible. Just recognize that, you know, you can't still second base with your foot on first. So you're gonna have to take some risks in your career. Just make sure you've, you've mitigated them as much as possible. Okay, the next one, this one is super basic, but this is one that I see people get wrong all the time. Um, and it's one that as my own public service to the universe, if anybody listening can um, fix this issue and one person is better because they've heard this issue, then the world is going to be a better place, pure and simple. And that is to learn how to email, okay? This is one I see people get wrong all the time. So a couple of rules about email. Do not put emojis in an email or smiley face. 
smiley faces or any kind of emoticons or whatever they call them, they do not go in an email unless unless you're under the age of 25. If you're under 25, you can. If you're over 25, you cannot. You need to stop. That is just not something that's okay anymore. Nothing drives me crazier than getting an email from another guy who's 55 years old that's got emojis all over it and LOLs and JKs and OMGs because it just cheapens the message. It cheapens your message. I think less of you when I get emails like that. And I've caught myself doing it too. Um, I've caught myself putting smiley faces in. And, and what I realize is like, if I'm not good enough to be able to express myself and I have to use a smiley face, then I'm doing something wrong. So no emojis unless you're under the age of 25, okay? Second thing, lead with your point or your request at the very top of your email. Put any background information that you think that the person needs underneath that. So lead with the top. I need 10 minutes of your time to talk about X, you know, and then background underneath, whatever it is. So ask for your request and or your point, put everything underneath that, okay? The other thing, the next thing is to do is when you look at an email, it should be probably two to three, four sentence paragraphs at the very max. If it's anything more than that, pick up your phone. So someone told me a long time ago, um, best way to do this is just put your hand up against your computer screen. Like put your hand where, you know, like with your thumb at the bottom and your fingers horizontal, right? And if what you have written goes deeper than what your hand is, then you've written too much. Either you need to edit it or you need to call the person. That's really what the way email is, has been intended to use. And people will respect you a lot more if you, if you email them um, in a clear and concise manner. So if it's going to be a super long drawn out email, you should really pick up the phone and call them. Okay. Then the last thing is, uh, think of email as a book draft. So think of this as something that's going to get published online. So before you send it, review it. Are there any words you could take out or any sentences redundant? Is your punctuation correct? And again, I'm not taking you, I'm, I'm not telling you to sit there, uh, and review, you know, every single email for 20 minutes each, but I think you could spend 20 seconds looking at it and see if there's anything glaringly obvious that should be out. You'll be surprised more often than not how many things you'll find in your email that could be taken out or changed or grammatically just don't sound right. I mean, it happens to me all the time. And, you know, like you, I send out a ton of emails and I'm quote unquote a writer and I butcher emails left and right. So I always review them before sending in. And uh, I learned this a long time ago and I shudder to think of, of, what would what would happen if the emails that I sent out without sending uh, without reviewing them first, what they look like, um, and what people would think of me, uh, you know, had I not spent the time to review them? So that's what I'm gonna say about that: is to review your emails before sending them out. I think you'd be glad you did. Okay, moving on from career, we're gonna talk a little bit now about inner peace and finding some inner peace. I really think that this is a big topic, and I think it's one that most people blow off, myself included. And so I really wanted to talk about that. And so the very first thing to do in this section, uh, or first rule or first way to make your life epic is to find your meditation practice. So there are so many studies that show meditation on a daily basis can be really, really impactful and really, really helpful to your life. So I'm going to challenge you to find your meditation practice. And 
I'm also not saying you need to sit in a room on a bunch of pillows with a Buddha statue um, with incense and candles either. Figure out what you do in your life that really helps you slow your brain down and calm down and get centered. So for me, it's surfing, playing football, going running, taking meditative walks. Sometimes when I do CrossFits like this, something where I'm so focused on really not thinking versus thinking about three different things at once. I can tell you like when I'm in the ocean and I'm surfing and I can feel like the, uh, the movement of the ocean and I'm like looking at the waves and I'm figuring out exactly what spot I need to be in and then I'm pushing up and then I'm riding a wave. I'm not thinking about my work emails. I'm not thinking about my relationship. I'm not thinking about my kids. I'm not thinking about finances. I'm not thinking about the electric bill. I'm not thinking about, you know, where I'm going to eat lunch. I'm not doing any of that. I'm, I'm, my brain is completely slow. It's very relaxed. And so whatever you can do to find your meditation practice, I think would be a great thing. So that, that's what I would challenge you to do is to find your meditation practice. All right. Second, second topic in inner peace. <clears throat> and this is a very personal one, is to forgive yourself. Okay, so no matter where you are in your life, there are probably things that you're ashamed of or you feel guilty or you just feel bad about. And you look at yourself as less of a person because of those things. So what I'm challenging you to do is to forgive yourself, okay? Because shame and guilt and regret are huge time and energy and mood sucks. They, they will just drain you down. Okay. Um, from my own example, when, and I've talked about this before, but in, you know, I was sexually abused by my uncle between nine to 14 when I was nine to 14. And I felt a lot of shame around that. I felt a lot of, uh, regret and guilt. And I just felt like it was my fault for whatever reason. And I was, you know, an unclean, person anytime I walked into a room and I just had a huge level of, of shame around that. And I really had to learn to forgive myself and to not let that uh, change me and make me a victim for the rest of my life. I, and so I, I would challenge you, like, look, we all have our demons, right? Like there's, I don't have more than you do and you probably don't have more than I do. Um, we all have our demons. So Whatever you can do to forgive yourself so that you can live a happy life is, is something that I work on. And don't, don't get me wrong, it's not easy. It took me a long time. It took me going to a therapist. It took me write, you know, writing letters and doing a bunch of work on myself, a lot of it on my own, uh, to forgive myself, but I was able to finally do it. Um, and I really, really recommend that, that you work on that as well because that's something that will definitely help your inner peace. Okay, the next thing is to feed the right wolf. So there's an old Indian parable, and I mentioned this in the book. So if you read the book, then uh, 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 forgive me, you're going to hear this again. But basically, and that is to feed the right wolf. So basically, there are, if you think of, there's this old Indian parable that basically says there are two wolves that reside in each one of us, the good wolf and the bad wolf, right? And so... One day, this little squaw was, uh, a little boy was going over to his grand, his grandpa and he said, well, if there are two wolves inside me, which one, you know, like, which one grows stronger, the bad wolf or the good wolf? And his grandfather, man, I am 
butchering the story too. That's the best part. I'm completely butchering the story. But anyway, uh, the grandfather, who's like the chief of the village, you know, the little boy goes over and says, well, which wolf is stronger? And the grandfather says, well, it depends on which one you feed. And I think that this is really apropos for our lives, right? So if you've got a wolf that is filled with worry and shame and regret and stress and, and doubt, you know, and you're always feeding your thoughts into that wolf, well, then obviously that part of you is going to grow stronger. The wolf that you need to feed is the one that's optimistic and strong and confident and filled with belief and filled with, with love for yourself. So work on feeding the right wolf. Realize that you have two wolves living within you and, and really focus on feeding the right wolf. And I apologize for butchering that story. Butchering that story, it's just really, really bad. But oh well, I don't like to edit these things, so we're going to keep going. The next thing is to ignore the noise, focus on the signal. So listen to the people closest to you, and tune out everybody else. Okay, there's so much noise in the world. Whether what it's what the latest Kardashians are doing, or you know, the latest contestant on this game show or in Dancing with the Stars or this person's gossip at work and that person's cheating on that person and that person has this and that person's doing that. Da, 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 da. Like ignore all that, okay? Focus on the signal. Um, uh, ignore the noise that's in your life because there's a lot, of, a lot of noise in the periphery. Just focus on the important things. And usually the important things are gonna come from people you're in your closest circle the people who love and trust you the most, they're going to come from your own, from your own self. Um, and those are really where you want to listen to and what you want to pay attention to the most. All right. The next thing is to turn trauma into triumph. Okay. I've talked about being sexually abused before. And one thing when that all happened, um, and in my life, I have chosen to use that trauma and that traumatic experience and to, to really try and be a better person and teach others and help others um, from, from where I was in, you know, what, you know, what situation I was in, which is horrible, obviously, and turn that into a positive. So by refusing to be a victim and by being willing to share that story and being vulnerable with people, I feel that in some small way, I've been able to turn trauma into triumph. And let's face it, you guys all, I mean, everyone listening has some form of trauma in their life, right? So I'm no big, you know, superhero or whatever. I'm just, I'm a normal person like you. So we all have the ability, believe me, if I can do it, you can do it too. So the idea here is what are the traumatic things that are have, have happened to you in your life? And then how do you turn them into triumph? Okay, let's move on and let's talk about mindset. So these are some things that I really believe will help you in your pursuit of an epic life. All right, so the very first one is to pursue success, not perfection. I've talked about this before, but when you choose to pursue success and not perfection, it really gives you just a great opportunity and a much better chance to be successful because you're not caught up on being perfect. And so we all have people in our lives probably who you know have a need to be perfect in everything. And that can really be exhausting and that's really hard to, you know, to really be successful when, you know, if you feel like you got to bat like a thousand to, to get there. So pursue success. Don't worry about uh, being perfect. God knows nobody I know is. 
Um, I'm not anywhere close to being perfect. I'm sure you're not either. So let's not even, let's not even play in that, in that sandbox. Let's just choose to pursue success and not perfection. Okay. The next one is to judge actions, not words. So people may promise you the moon. They may tell you all kinds of different things, but really words are cheap. So judge people's actions. Who's actually showing up when they say they're going to show up? Who's really in your corner when you need them? How, how, you know, whose actions are ones that are supportive to you and, and helpful to you no matter what's going on? Those are the people. That's how you should be judging people, looking at people. Like, it's like don't worry about what somebody says because that's not important. What, what matters most is what somebody does. So they, someone might say, hey, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to be there Tuesday at five and, you know, and they don't show up, but they've got a great excuse and it happens again the week after and they've got another great excuse. And, you know, again, the week after, well, after a while, you just realize that, hey, man, I need to judge this person based on their actions and not their words. Words are cheap. Figure out, figure out who's actually showing up in your life and, and treat those people um, you know, keep them close, keep those people close to you. All right. The next one is to embrace being an underdog. Okay. So what I like about this one is, is like, everybody loves being the underdog. Everybody loves the, uh, underdog role, right? So wouldn't you rather be Rocky than Ivan Drago? Of course you would. So keep that in mind in whatever aspect of your life, uh, whatever your life is, you know, uh, in my, in my experience, you know, like I've talked about this before, but I work out in a CrossFit gym, uh, Stratum Fitness in Solana Beach here in California, and I'm probably one of the older guys in there. And so I work, I work out with a lot of younger people who are uh, obviously a lot more fit than I am. But it's a great experience for me. And in that experience, you know, in that environment, I'm the underdog, right? Like, so no one's really expecting me to do that well because I'm like the old guy. And so, in times that I can do well, it it's, you know, the, it's even sweeter because I, nobody was expecting it. I was the, you know, I'm, I'm not the favorite, you know, when we're doing bench pressing, I'm not the favorite. So embrace the role of the underdog. Again, it gives you freedom because like, if no one's expecting you to be successful or do as well as you think you can do, well, when you're able to do that, when you're able to be successful, it makes it even sweeter um, because no one was expecting it. Okay. Next one. The next one is to say, F it more. Okay. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't be afraid to throw caution to the wind occasionally and just say, F it. I'm going to go do it. Um, it's something I believe strongly in. I think a lot of the great moments in my life and a lot of great moments in other people's lives have come from just saying F it and, and taking action. So say F it and ask for the raise. Ask that person out you've wanted to ask out. Talk, have that conversation, you know, that tough conversation with your spouse or your partner, you know, quit your job and start something new. Start, start a side hustle, start a sport, you know, take a dance class. You're not expecting, you know, that uh, you're afraid to take. Just say F it and just do it. Okay. Life is too freaking short. Just, just say F it and do it. I think that you'll ultimately have more success when you do those things than when you don't. Okay. The next one is very simple and that is to don't suffer fools. Okay. So don't waste time with people that would waste your time. I'm really not going to say much more than that. You probably have people in your life 
that you know that are constantly wasting your time. Don't waste your time with them. There's probably no need to. And that might sound harsh and that's not super kumbaya, but don't suffer fools. You don't need to. Moving on, let's go into some very basic life lessons, all the ways to make your life epic. Okay, the first one is to be early everywhere. So no matter where you go, get there early. It's a way easier to live. When you show up early, you're more prepared than anyone else who's there. And what that means is you actually have an advantage to anybody who shows up late. So I'm sure you've been in a meeting, you've gotten there and then shows somebody shows up 10 minutes late and you know they've got you know papers flying out of their bag and they can't find a pen and you know they're just a mess. Like they don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, that person who shows up and is flustered and is uh, unprepared or whatever, like that's the person that I would rather negotiate with or do a deal with because I'm gonna get the best deal possible from that person because they're not prepared. And I got there 10 minutes early and I'm super prepared. So whatever you can, whenever you can, be early. Don't be on time, be early. Okay, the next one. Have three great friends. Any more than three or four great friends um, I think is probably overkill. Life isn't a quote unquote like contest. You don't get how many points, you don't get points for how many Instagram followers you have, how many people on Facebook like your, you know, pictures of your cat, you know, have three great friends that you know you can count on and that can count on you. Everyone else really becomes an acquaintance, okay? Think of life as who are the three friends I could call at any given time who would do anything for me no matter what. That's all you need. You don't need more than that. Between that and your family and, and you know, uh, your spouse or your partner, that's all you need. Three great friends. You don't, you, there's no reason to have more than that. All right, next one is, is whether you are parents or you are around people with small kids. This is one I learned a long time ago and it's been, uh, uh, makes life just way better for me, is that treat, is to treat kids like people. So don't treat them like toddlers. Don't treat them like babies. Don't infantile them. Treat them like people. They are people. They're just younger. So I see that, you know, myself with our kids, I see it with other people's kids is like, you know, if you don't baby kids and you actually talk to them with respect and you listen to what they're saying and you treat them like people, they will respond positively to you. And they will, you know, they will, um, have, you know, you'll be able to converse with them, but then also, uh, you just will be a better interaction. So treat people, treat kids like people. Okay. The next one is to automate daily rituals. So I learned this from David Della Moranis from the website, how to beast, who is a podcast guest a while ago and great guy. He talks about habit stacking in his latest books where he basically says like, you know, the more habits that you have, Hey, there's another truck going by, you know, that you can stack pops, positive habits on top of other habits. So like if you make your coffee first thing in the morning and you do five push push-ups right before you do your coffee, and then you do five jumping jacks right after you drink your coffee. Um, and you take care of 10 emails before, uh, you jump in the shower. So you just start just stacking habits on top of each other. It's just an easier way to go through life, right? 
Because the problem with life these days is not necessarily that we have so much, uh, we don't have enough time. The problem is, is that we have too many decisions to make. This is why when you read about like Mark Zuckerberg and he talks about how, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, the guy from Facebook, how he talks about in his closet, he only has one type of jeans, one type of t-shirt and one type of sweatshirts and he just rotates them every single day. So he never has to make a decision on what he's gonna wear for work. I'm very similar, like in my, in my, with my workout, uh, my work clothes, um, all of, you know, my suits are all the same color. My dress shirts are all relatively the same color. They're either uh, white, pink, or patterned. That's it. So I don't have anything else. So everything kind of goes together with whatever I'm wearing. And I don't have to think about it. So like automating your daily rituals allows you to remove decisions from your day. And it doesn't burn any of your brain power figuring out like, oh, okay, should I make my coffee now? Now what should I have for breakfast? Okay, am I going to work out now? Am I going to work out at lunch? Da, 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 da. It's one of the reasons I love going to CrossFit class, right? Because when I go there, I just show up at 4.30. I know I'm going to work out for an hour. I know someone's going to tell me exactly what to do. I don't have to think about it. The only thing I have to think about is getting in the car to get to class on time. So automate your daily rituals whenever you can. All right. The next one is to be frugal with the unimportant. So this is one that my daughters taught me. Um, and that is, you know, as an example, buy cheap light bulbs, right? So my daughters in my house, for whatever reason, have a tendency to leave the lights on all the time, whatever the room they're in. So I'm, I'm constantly telling them to turn the lights off. And the lesson here for me was really that like, the reason I want the lights off is I don't care if I overspend on sneakers or on surfboards or on clothes or on travel and fun trips or stuff for the girls or whatever, but I don't want to overspend on stupid things like our electricity bill or, you know, how much I spend on toothpaste or whatever. I don't want to waste money on things that are unimportant uh, to my daily life. So really being frugal with the unimportant, I think is really, really key because this way you're saving money to some extent. And it's just a better way to think, right? Like, so don't worry about saving your money. Like, you know, like this is a lot of these financial experts will say like, hey, well, don't have a latte. You know, if you, if you, if you know, if you don't have a latte every day, then you'll save $200 a month and $200 a month amortized over 30 years will be an additional, you know, $500,000, whatever. It's like, well, what if you like getting the latte? Like, what if you like going to the coffee shop and seeing your friends and having a latte and sitting down? And what, what if they make the latte better than you make the latte? Like, I think that advice sucks. I think you should go and have that latte, enjoy that freaking latte, but just turn the damn lights off and don't spend more on your electricity bill. So be frugal with the unimportant. Okay, the very next section, this is the last section, we only have a, a few of these left, and that is to get unstuck. So a lot of people that I run into, whether they comment from the blog or they're writing about the show, and you guys have all mentioned this, is getting having feelings of being stuck in your life and just being stuck. Like you're stuck. You don't necessarily know what to do or you know things aren't going 100% the way you want them to. And like you feel stuck. You feel like you're in a rut. So these are some tips to get out of your rut. Let's get going. Very first thing is to figure out what your why is. Find your why. Man, this just this one 
just drives everything in life. So why are you doing what you do? What, what is your purpose in life? What are you trying? Why are you here? Why are you on this planet? This really is the driver for everything. And, and I'll have a deeper episode on this in the near future. But for now, what I'm going to recommend you do is read Start With Why by Simon Sinek or watch one of his videos about this. He wrote this amazing book. Um, it's kind of funny. I didn't know anything about him or this book. And I was given a speech at uh, University of California, San Diego about creating a, a utopian society through a sustainable eco village, uh, uh, you know, for this one conference. And he gave the keynote right before I speak. And there's only been a few people who, when they've, you know, when I've done speeches, when they've spoken where I've just been like completely blown away. He was one of them. The other one uh, was uh, KRS-One from Boogie Down Productions. I saw him in uh, 1991 in college in New York and he just blew me away. But anyway, Simon Sinek blew me away too. And, and you know, I had uh, a couple of thoughts when I was listening to him right before I was about to go on. My, one of my biggest thoughts selfishly was like, holy shit, like I have to follow this guy. This guy's so good. Like no one's gonna like my stuff because this guy's like knocking it out of the park. He's so good. But anyway, so read that book, Start With Why. Figuring out your why and your purpose are really the biggest keys for you to get unstuck. Okay, number two is to replace your broken beliefs. So think about what beliefs no longer serve you and write those beliefs down. So I did this a few months ago and I talked, you know, I kind of wrote my my journaling notebook and a couple of my limiting beliefs and my broken beliefs were like, that I thought a lot of really wealthy people were just jerks. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges to me becoming wealthy long-term is I felt subconsciously like these people were jerks. And then really what I got to is like, a lot of wealthy people that I know are actually super cool. Like my friend Dan, who makes a ton of money, he's super cool. There's a couple of guys at CrossFit who, who do really well. They're, they're all super cool. Like I know a lot of people who are very, very wealthy, you know, multimillionaires, and they're all really, really cool. So that fixing that bro broken belief was really key for me because it allowed me, it gave me the opportunity and the permission to become wealthy because I no longer believed that I'd have to be an asshole to become wealthy. Um, so think about what your broken beliefs are. Like where, where are the, what beliefs do you hold that could be wrong? Um, I, I took a real, you know, kind of a big look at this recently and I just spent like 15 minutes journaling and I wrote down every every belief I had, and I went through them one by one and said, well, you know, this one's not accurate. This one's not accurate. This one's totally wrong. Uh, it was really amazing. It was kind of interesting to see how wrong I was about so many of them. But luckily I'm going for success, not perfection. So I'm wrong all the time. All right, to replace your broken beliefs. So the next one is to write a personal manifesto. If you listened to my previous episode on this, uh, that tells you all about how to do it and why I think it's important. So I won't spend any time on it here. I'll just link it in the show notes to the episode on writing a personal manifesto, but I do believe it is something that will change your life for the better. The next one is to burn old bridges. Okay. And this really is the last one of this, of this series is to burn the old bridges, man. Like they're old, they're decrepit, you know, they're old and they're decrepit for a reason. So burn them down. So whether it's an old belief an old friendship that doesn't serve you, an old relationship, uh, an old tie to something, just do a, a, 
a mental burning of that. Burn the old bridge so you can build new ones and you can create a new experience out of your life. Because really, your life doesn't really become epic until you start doing these these sorts of things. You really have to let go of the old so that you have new. Uh, you have plenty of room to bring in the new stuff. Um, I really hope this podcast has been helpful. I know it's been a sort of a, uh, not really using notes or anything. I'm just kind of going off of um, stream of consciousness, a bunch of stuff I've been thinking about, a bunch of stuff from the book, and I wanted to tie it all in together. Uh, I apologize for any noise in the background, like the wind and the rain uh, and the craziness of the San Diego weather right now, because it's usually always 70 and sunny here. And, and today it's just out of control. But anyway, I hope this has been helpful for you. I want to thank you again for all of you who write in and leave reviews um, or send me comments or questions or show ideas. Um, I really get a kick out of doing this podcast. I do it for free. Uh, I've been doing it a year or so. Never really made I haven't made any money on it. I'm really not in it to make any money on it. Uh, quite honestly, I just enjoy doing it. So I love the feedback you get. And um, uh, I really appreciate your time and listening in. If you feel so moved, if you could leave a review on iTunes, that's hugely helpful for me to see what you like, what you didn't like. And, uh, and that's it. I hope you have a fantastic day and I will talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for checking out the Make Life Epic podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. For more information, check out jimsimco.com, jimsimco.com. And as always, feel free to leave a review on iTunes. Those really help us out a lot. So if you could do that, that'd be great. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Have a fantastic day.